You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. I sent a couple takes to um, my buddy Tyler, and I sent some to Avinash, my buddy Shelby, and you know, I was just like, "Hey, I'm working on this," and they were like, "Dude, that's that's pretty cool, man. Like, you should keep going. Like, don't don't stop with that, you know." And um, and then uh, yeah, I just kind of kept just plugging along. Um, I'd get done with work. You know, work, it was like a bridged work. So I'd like try to do what I could do. And then, you know, we'd go on a run just to like clear my head and get outside and then just like sit down, you know, for six, eight hours, just straight through, just learning audio engineering and trial and error, writing riffs, playing stuff and figuring out what was going to work. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound, Talent Media, and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I have teamed up with them to bring you Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal, which will be taking place on December 17th at Corona Theater here in Montreal. This is the first edition of a true metal and beer festival happening in Montreal, and I am very, very stoked about it. Performing at this year's event, we have my band Cryptopsy alongside my friends in The Agonist, The Great Sabatini, Necrotic Mutation, and Burning the Oppressor. All night long, you'll be able to enjoy amazing craft beers by some of Quebec's best breweries, such as BG, Brasserie Urbaine, Massorum Brassatorium, Brasserie du Bas Canada, Sir John Brewing Company, Cinquième Baron, and Brasseur de Montréal. I am so excited about this festival. I can't wait to be there, to look out into the crowd, and enjoy life, metal, and craft beer all together. I am very, very stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops podcast. You should go and pick up your tickets for this if you are planning on coming to this show because tickets are selling extremely quickly and I would hate for you to miss your chance to come to this amazing event. Grab your tickets via the link in the description of this podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. But more than that, I would love it if you were to write a review for the podcast. Now, why do I want you to do that? Well, you have to imagine that when someone is looking for a brand new podcast to try out, what do they do? They scroll down, they look at those reviews, and if that podcast has a bunch of great reviews, well, they're most likely going to give that podcast a chance. So by you writing a review for the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast... You could actually be the person that makes someone become a brand new Vox and Hops head. And that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm with Jameson Kester of Labored Breath. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 307. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Jameson Kester of Labored Breath, Wild Hunt, Void Omnia. Jameson, how are you doing? Matt, I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on your show today. Well, I had to, you see, because <laughs> you were a part of Brutal 
North America, and those brews were intended to be made for Vox and Hops alumni only. Now, you have a very special story when it comes to being a part of Brutal North America, and all of that ties to the metal architect, Jerry Monk, the man himself. He hit me up as he was putting together a Brutal Awakenings playlist saying, Matt, this this labored breath dude, uh, I think he's into beer. Um, maybe uh, it'd be a good person for you to interview. And I was like one step further. I was like, maybe I could get him as a part of Brutal North America because I knew you were in California. I had no breweries out there as a part of Brutal North America yet. So I'm very happy to be with you tonight to seal and conclude my Brutal North America alumni status of all of my guests. So, uh, Jameson, I'm very stoked to be with you very much so. Well, I'm really stoked to be here, man. It was uh, such a killer opportunity to be a part of Brutal North America. Um, just, you know, having having that both tying into craft beer and metal already things that are just like you know integral pieces of my life and have been for pretty much as long as I can remember um probably even legally before definitely legally before the beer part was supposed to but uh yeah man it was a it was a killer experience you put together such a like a heavy hitter list of bands and breweries and um, it's definitely an honor to be a part of it. I'm really stoked to be able to wrap things up and then have this conversation with you today. It's the perfect ending. It, it, we're doing it backwards, but it's it's interesting to do it this way because we could talk about your experience about it, but we'll touch that further. Uh, first, I want to hear about how you coped with this glorious pandemic, which is lingering on, but seems to be going away, but might come back. We're not quite sure where it is at yet. Uh, how did you cope with everything? Well, um, to be perfectly honest, my initial coping mechanism was writing dyspnea, the labored breath album um it was something like doing a solo album was something i've always wanted to do um it still always feels kind of silly saying like a solo album but it's what it is um and it was a you know with work with life with just playing in bands and being active and touring and stuff like that it's of course hard to commit the time to not only like writing and recording a record but also learning audio engineering which is something i had like very little knowledge of um, prior to, which was maybe like my biggest hurdle across the last probably two decades of never having tried to delve into it. So that was my biggest coping mechanism initially, um, was being able to pour the first like four or five months, I'd say of like anguish and anxiety and, uh, and anger and like hopelessness that I think everybody was maybe feeling, um, into, a really creative outlet and um you know it's definitely something it's not certainly not the first time a solo album has be, ever been recorded or by any means but it was uh something i'd wanted to do and, and it gave me the opportunity and again the coping mechanism to do so um besides that man i drank a lot uh like i think everybody um had to kind of a couple times maybe curtail that and kind of look at what you're doing and say like <laughs> Dude, I'm like, I'm drinking like six double IPAs, uh, you know, between like, you know, I'm also in the beer industry and I, so I kind of am vetted already and I've bartended for years and whatever, but I'm, you know, having to really kind of roll that back. So, uh, that was another coping mechanism. I was working the whole time though. So for, I was really fortunate, um, you know, where I work, they, you know, they held us, they held us on. We were able to continue doing what we're doing and, um, 
And yeah, but uh, yeah, I'd say the main the main coping mechanism was writing and releasing an album. So um, it gave me gave me the opportunity to do so. Well, that is a very healthy and unhealthy way to get through a pandemic. Healthy being being creative and creating dyspnea, the the killer killer solo one man, uh, just very disturbing music all by Thank yourself. You. Um, I think that's very healthy. Um, craft beer on the other hand can be fun and uh you know i love it but too much of any good thing is a bad thing but vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives music and craft beer and i'm very curious as to if you're going to be uh sharing a beer with me tonight or if you're in one of those times where you need to hold back because you've been enjoying too many double ipas recently well i don't i don't drink a whole lot of double ipas these days and and fortunately <laughs> i i have i do practice moderation pretty regularly and uh, in in order in, to, in doing so, I try to uh, also drink some lighter stuff. So um, I kind of know if you can see that. That's Penn Brewery's Kaiser Pills. Um, that's what I'm sipping on right now. Um, I'm actually from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania originally. I'm on yep. my like two week vacation. I'm, I'm actually in the the room that I grew up in, which my mom wow. my mom's reconverted into like you know flowery walls and stuff like that there used to be like <laughs> you know suffocation posters back there and shit like that but um but yeah so I, i'm actually at home drinking uh pennsylvania pittsburgh brewery so i got this one then i also have a backup from dancing gnome brewery which is like a newer craft uh brewery not to say that uh these guys aren't but um this is like a single hazy pale ale and it's kind of their flagship and so when i was at their tap room the other day i asked them like hey like what would you guys say is your your flagship they do a lot of ipas and whereas like you know Penbury does classic german style i mean they do ipas as well but they're like craft beer before craft beer was cool kind of thing um love it so i have both of these one that i'm gonna probably drink pretty quickly after a 20 mile bike ride and then the other that i'm most likely going to sip on towards the end before I um, fade into obscurity. <laughs> they both sound delicious, and a 20-mile bike ride is a, a good way to fight the hops uh, and to stay in shape despite working in the beer industry and enjoying beer moderately. <laughs> on my side, I am going to be joining a Brutal North America collab. This is uh, the Agonist and Le Fermentals. Brew as my guide. It's a double dry hopped IPA. Uh, it's not supposed to be or intended to be. It's supposed to be something that's crushable, sneaky, uh, something that goes down well. Uh, I feel that it feels a little bit like a West Coast IPA, which is why I chose it for you tonight, because I know that's what Dyspnea was, uh, your collab with Ghost Town. So that's why I chose this tonight. Uh, 7%. I'm going to pour this out, and I'm very curious to hear about your very first beer, Jameson. Oh, man. Um God, I, I don't think I can remember that far back, to be honest. I definitely uh, probably was sipping off the bottle when I was literally sipping off a bottle. But, uh, but re you know, realistically, like maybe I, I'd say like the first beer that I really, um, you know, maybe when I was in like high school when I was at a party that really hit me. And that was that I was like, damn, like you can do this kind of shit with beer was um, I think it was the Victory Golden Monkey. Um, which, which I, I, you probably, it sounds like you remember more than I do. I, I right now I'm think I think it's like a double, maybe it's a, it's a, a Belgian triple. It's like yeah, a, Belgian, it's a Belgian triple. Yeah, it's definitely. like spiced. And I just remember being at a party and, and, you know, drinking probably too many of those more than I should have, but, um, cause I didn't know my limit, whatever, but just really that was, you know, the beer that kind of made, made me realize what, you know, the kind of potential and, and flavor profiles, nuances that 
already existed in craft beer. I mean, this was probably back in like 99, 2000, somewhere in there, 2001 maybe. Um, so I would say that that's definitely the, the one that like really hit, hit it home for me. But, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've been enjoying libations for a long time. <laughs> well, cheers to those cheers man good to, good to do this with you thank you Ooh, still smells fruity still got that little west coasty belgian almost tang um really crushable subtle um citrusy flowery very enjoyable le fermentard the agonist amazing brew as my guide uh, i want to hear about uh the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in that room um. um so actually yeah if you look right back there uh that's where i had my like you know 12 disc boom box or something like that um <laughs> god you know the question is not that the question is <laughs> what music did your parents or guardians listen to while you were in this room trying to drown <laughs> it out with with what was coming out of that 12 disc god dude, they were probably listening to uh, a lot of country back then you know like might have been like yeah. uh, Garth Brooks or something, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Whoever did Boot Scoot Boogie, I remember that was a. Oh, think, yeah, yeah. My dad. Okay, like right on. Time. You know, if I did, I'm not going to. Brooks and Dunn. Was that Brooks and Dunn? Yeah. It's, it, it very well could be. I, uh, I you know, I, I'm not going to lie. If I hear that come on a jukebox, like, you know, pre COVID days, <laughs> if I, I would, I'd still be like. <laughs> I'd like kind of nod my head and maybe even sing the chorus a little bit, but um, I thought you were going to get up and do the dance. Uh, definitely not, man. I'm, uh, I'm not even wearing <laughs> pants right now, actually. But <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. I, I, as soon as I got to Pittsburgh, I had to buy a fresh pair of cams because they're like nine bucks from Walmart. So um, yeah, amazing. You can't go wrong with Walmart camo shorts. But um, uh, yeah, you know, the soundtrack <laughs> to my youth, though probably when maybe country or let's you know depeche mode violator was blasting which is a great album let's be real uh was probably like you know like early stuff like when i was like 10 or 11 uh obituary world demise i had that on tape when i was like 10 and i remember my buddies uh who were older than me you know they were like the you know always it was like all camo shorts and like cannibal corp shirts and shit like that and uh they gave me uh, my buddy greg gave me um uh, world demise and i just remember like listening to that tape and being like like just this is just so pissed and I, you know and i was you know i was like you had a great childhood of a great family and stuff like that it wasn't but like just it was awesome music and it totally like called to me right but uh you know cannibal corpse i remember the first time hearing that on tape it was maybe like the bleeding and uh i had no idea what i was listening because i was like next level like obituary like those riffs are real hooky and like John Tardy's vocals, like you can kind of pick out what he's saying a little bit, but like, you know, early Chris Barnes specifically, like it was just grunts and, you know, those like ugly gutturals, which we all love so much, right? But uh, it was just like, it's, I remember hearing that shit and I was like, this sounds like chainsaws. Like I want to know more, you know? But, it, but in this, but, <laughs> How did and then, uh, you know, like lots of suffocation, <laughs> uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, Calculating Infinity blew my mind. Um, you know, fucking Cryptopsy, of course, like was like one, you know, one of those bands that just like absolutely slayed early origin, pretty much like anything Willow Tip was putting out, which is based out of Zelianople, like Rune, Calabas, all that stuff. Um, and then a lot of like relapse stuff, um, you know, early, early like Roadrunner stuff was always kind of cool, too. But that was like a little bit more, I don't know, I would say like mainstream sounding a lot of times. Um, but yeah, in this very room is like, you know, totally where I learned how to shred uh and this very room is like where i you know um just 
yeah, listen to it. Listen to, consumed as much music as I possibly could. Meshuggah's Chaosphere was another one. And, uh, you know, um, Contradictions Collapse, when they did none, they did that split. I got that in uh, at a Bull Moose Music up in Maine. And I just remember being like, you know, like, what is this drummer doing? Like, it's like like Metallica with, like, jazz <laughs> drums. But, you know, Chaosphere, of course, totally next level. And it totally changed that that style of music is they're like the forefathers of the whole you know they're they're the orig- original uh, gentlemen if you will <laughs> they are yeah. indeed <laughs> how about your first uh live music experience uh i went to see the first like m- like metal rock show i think it was 96 it was at coca-cola star lake amphitheater maybe it was just star lake amphitheater which is out in like burgettstown like southwestern pennsylvania and uh it was rage against the machine Atari Teenage Riot and Wu-Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, it was a weird tour. I don't remember what the tour was. I actually heard that they were going to rehash Rage Against the Machine and Wu-Tang Clan doing a tour again. Um, the pandemic, I don't know where that's at. But um, but yeah, my, my dad dropped my sister and I off at that show. I think I was starting sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. It was like the night before and he like begrudgingly took us because I was just so in love with Rage Against the Machine. How much older was your sister? Uh, she's like three or four years older than me. Wow, cool parents. Yeah, yeah, my, my, my parents are awesome. We just went on like a 20-mile bike ride today and my, my fiancé is with me as well. So, uh, you know, they're still... And then, they, then we get back and we just start slamming beers. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I cut you off though. You were saying uh, that you loved Rage Against the Machine. Just when I was a kid. That was like, that was my, my first show. And then I think like the first like metal show was that around that same year, I mean, you know, because I was like an eclectic mix, it was a, uh, Earth Crisis, who I absolutely, I loved straight edge hardcore, although I've never been a straight edge kid, um, but I loved it. Uh, it was Earth Crisis, uh, Madball, Hatebreed, I think Strife was supposed to play, but they dropped off. Instead, they got, um, oh God, what was that band that did a, uh, it's all about the drugs and the money. Scarhead. Scarhead as well. Oh. And I had this like this uh, Star Wars Yoda hat. And uh, like me and my buddy are like, you know, like trying to like pit. But we're just so little. But like, you know, nobody was given. It was at Club Laga uh, back in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, nobody was. Everybody's cool. Like everybody's. That was, that was, I think, like the first like metal metal show. And that totally changed my perspective as to like how like heavy music is played live and like what this what a scene is like and um and maybe just want to be part of it that so much more incredible uh at such a young age too to, to be at the two different vast spectrums you know to go from the huge rage show to the much smaller hardcore straight edge show different ambiances different people going at such a young age is, is so formative uh, how about your first time on stage uh besides playing like in eighth grade my eighth grade like hate uh it was like more like a machine head skin lab cover band we didn't cover the songs but we might as well have tried to just sound exactly like <laughs> those two bay area bands but from pittsburgh um besides like some house shows i remember playing uh millville industrial theater which was this like super weird industrial park that was right off of Route 28 for anybody who's familiar with Pittsburgh or if you've ever, you know, driven through parts of it. It's like, you know, it's a highway that's like 50, 60 miles per hour. And then there was just this like, okay, you're going, you're going south towards the city. And then you have to like hard right up this like giant 
like pot <laughs> like pothole hill to this industrial theater and uh, i played bass in a in like um like a punk hardcore band uh it was like i was like 14 or something like that and it was um that first show was with crisis i think that was like the big thing crisis was like we were like so stoked to be opening for crisis um and that was a a pretty you know pretty cool experience absolutely and how did that show go were you prepared were you ready dude we were you know uh high school punk hardcore band wanting to like throw it down i mean we we didn't we didn't screw up we played the set you know um we were like pretty active in the pittsburgh like punk metal scene um got to open for like anal cunt uh got to play a lot of shows like circle of dead children and uh like status euphoria so like we kind of like merged and got like heavier and heavier but like um that first show we didn't we didn't totally botch it so uh we <laughs> they asked us back uh we got to play play there again so that was cool well kudos to you for pulling it off <laughs> at 14 <laughs> let's talk about working in the beer industry uh you're at almanac beer co right now uh how long you been there how did you end up working in the beer industry yeah i've been with almanac for uh i just actually celebrated my three-year anniversary with them congrats thanks man yeah it was uh, it was a cool thing they're a great company um they make amazing beer for anybody who's not familiar Tons of uh, barrel-aged sours, but also, like, really awesome IPAs and lagers. I mean, anything that they try to make, honestly, um, they're going to make very well. Uh, the beer, the brewery's just done super well, specifically during the pandemic. It's all a brand, pretty new facility that came in in 2017, but it's like a 10-year-old brewery. Um, and so, you know, now we're just, like, cranking. We're just trying to keep keep production going for all of the uh, placements that we've landed and, and um, kind of the, the, the opportunities that we we worked for have hit and so now we're just making beer for that um but i got into them after um coming back from a tour void omnia did like a two-month tour and i uh, got back from that and i was like i got hit by a car actually jesus on my bicycle um right after the tour i didn't have health insurance i was fortunately i was fine but it was one of those things that kind of made me go like dude i need to like i need to I need to get health insurance. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I was, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they were able to like loophole me back onto Medi-Cal fortunately for this brief, this like weird window. Um, but I have a hit background in, in, uh, in, you know, being behind a bar bartending. I've also, I was worked in the wine industry, um, for about, uh, about eight years, eight or nine years. Um, so I, before getting into craft beer, I was really in, I was in Napa and I did a lot of, uh, winery management. And, um, so craft beer was like, you know, to me, it's a lot more accessible. You, you get a lot more. We can have conversations like this. We can do a, you know, brutal North America brew and collab with metal and beer and make it this crazy, awesome, successful thing. And there's this network of people that I'm just I identify with more than maybe, um, you know, some of like the, the wine industry. <laughs> Not that, you know, the wine industry is awesome. Like there's some really great people there, too. I'm sure there's a bunch of metalheads. You there. know, you'd be surprised. Uh, you'd actually be surprised. But I think they're normally <laughs> a lot of times they're in production or they're uh, or, you know, the winemakers, um, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, not to not to pigeonhole anybody in the wine industry, but um, <laughs> but in craft beer, it made a lot more sense. And so, yeah, I've been with Almanac for three years and uh, I'm, I'm crushing it, man. It's a, it's a great place to work. Like I said before, they they kept myself. I'm a sales manager and, um, you know, I'm one of five territory sales managers who cover really massive areas. And they, you know, they kept us all on during the pandemic when like we literally couldn't go out and sell beer, you know, there it was just like, yeah, stay home, be safe. 
uh, you know, we got you. Just do what you can. Try to be productive and write a solo record, dude. So yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, the owner literally bought. There's like two, like super premium, like gold embossed uh, albums that lit, that a sentient ruin who put out the record does for each of their releases. And you know, the owner of Almanac, who used to be in a thrash band back in the day, Damien, is a great dude. I kind of consider him a friend. I'll send him like defeated sanity and putridity albums for him to listen to oh, at the yeah. gym but you know he's like that kind of cool right but he uh, he bought that like super, you know the custom deluxe record so a lot of support Amazing. there yeah dude um yeah super cool so it did give me the opportunity to do it and the brewery was like nothing but supportive um you know a bunch of guys brewers people in the tap room bought the record and uh um yeah yeah it's a killer place to work phenomenal uh let's talk about your involvement in brutal north america a bit more uh when we got into contact with each other um via instagram actually it was super easy just sort of happened and uh automatically i assumed it would be with almanac but you suggested to go with ghost town which i thought was super cool because i was unaware of them I played Oakland a bunch of times with Cryptopsy going through, and I had never been there, so I'm excited to go there now, now that I know that they make killer metal brews, and uh, it was a cool, very quick turnaround into creating this beer. So so let's talk about uh, Dyspnea, the beer that we made together, and uh, how that all came together. Yeah, well, um, you know, after we, we had that initial conversation, I was like, you know, way floored that... Uh, you know, you had even asked me and I was um, really, really appreciative of it. So I actually, you know, I was like immediately thought of Ghost Town, but I do work for a brewery that is I that I know is super supportive. Like I said, they you know bought the record and I, I asked our brewmaster, Phil Emerson, I was like, hey, like, dude, this is an opportunity. What would you think about this? And he was like, I totally have your back. He's like, and you should do what you would like to do with it. Like hands down, like, you know, it's not going to ruffle any feathers here. Right. He's like, and, and I was like, well, it would make sense for me to, to work with Ghost Town because they are literally a metal brewery. I mean, they've done a collab with Mortuous yeah. before, like a killer Bay Area death metal band. I think they might have done a collab with Necrot. They were part of Decibel Metal, metal and Beer. So, um, you know, in all of their can art, if you haven't seen it, uh, for anybody listening, it's like, you know, all evil, awesome, repurposed stuff from like Hieronymus Bosch and, you know, just terrible, torturous things that you want to look at while you're slamming a delicious west coast ipa um but yeah after like you and i had chatted and i talked to phil and i pitched it to uh my buddy steve hood who's actually the barrel program manager at ghost town um not only they do they make like awesome ipas and lagers but uh they also make really amazing barrel aged beers that have all just started to come out um so i hit up steve steve was like let me talk to justin justin's their head brewer and um you know justin and i actually used to play shows back back in the day like 10 years ago when i first moved I to the bay it. so yeah and like and i actually when i saw justin like two years ago for the first time in a long time i didn't even realize he was the head brewer at ghost town so i was like oh my god this is like perfect like you know steve's a total metalhead all the ghost town guys are total metalheads i mean they just we were listening to dystopia the entire time we were brewing you know um so brought it up to them you know we had the initial conversation and they're they're actually installing a new they think they might have just finished installing a new brew house so they were kind of like well we can like we can do what we do because it's in the schedule we can do like a west coast or a hazy and i was like let's do a west coast because you guys love to do a west coast and so they tossed it back to me said like all right sweet we'll write the recipe 
as far as like how we're going to brew it, but like what hops and what malt would you like? Here's the list. And so I got to pick those, which was really cool. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm, uh, never really got to do that before. Um, when it came, comes to being in the beer industry, I mean, I've been able to like blend wines and use my palate to determine which lots maybe taste better and like help identify like what percentages would go into making like a red blend or like a cab heavy blend, but I never got to really do that with beer. So, um, it was a great opportunity and a great experience for me and to be able to work with you and then all the other amazing artists and and breweries that you had on your list was just like really just awesome, awesome thing to to be a part of. I'm so happy. And and, then the beer was uh, received well, it disappeared quickly. Uh, you were happy with the final results. Oh dude. I mean, I, uh, I got two cases of that beer. Um, I, they gave me one and then I had some buddies, uh, specifically up in the Pacific Northwest, um, who were like up in the Portland area and they were all like, dude, like, let me get a four pack. And I was like, I don't know if they have distro up there, but I had a friend in town who I used to play in, um, one of my, one of the old bands with, uh, and he actually was like, oh dude, I'm driving back up. So I split them off some. So all in all, I probably drank like almost collectively a case of that beer between my partner and I, cause she likes drinking beer as well. And then I tossed some to some friends and stuff like that. I'd be drinking that right now, but, uh, you can't get it in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, I think we released it back in May, so code dates wouldn't really hold out for that one. As a West Coast, I think it might have fallen apart. But <laughs> well, I'm happy. I'm happy. It looked delicious, and I'm, I'm happy of that. The, the it worked out that the the connections of the universe aligned, and that it came out, and that it was delicious, and everyone was happy. And I love that. Uh, I would like to talk about uh, dyspnea and, and recording a solo record. So, so what were the major major challenges of writing recording producing releasing uh, getting signed to sentient ruin laboratories uh what were the major major challenges do you mind if i crack my next beer for this go, one go for it. all yeah, right yeah. sweet uh this is a, a this is a hazy pale ale from dancing gnome um, they're a, a pittsburgh brewery they're pretty new i visited there for the first time back in 2019 and uh, they make lots of IPAs, but they said this is their flagship. So, um, yeah, the major challenge. Uh, there we go. That sounds good. Um, the major challenge um, for me was actually learning audio engineering and recording. In my whole life, like every time I've been in a band, it's been like, all right, I'll write some riffs. You guys record, or we're going to go to record with somebody. And it's like I kind of always checked out in that process. That process of it, you know, that part of it. I might have listened like a fly on the wall. Uh, in the room, but I never really like engaged in like a whole lot of audio engineering or like what these dudes were talking about. So it gave me the opportunity to rely on my resources, uh, which were which was a lot of YouTube. Um, but like really, you know, the guys in specifically in Wild Hunt, um, Avinash Mitter, he's like an incredible audio engineer and a good friend of mine. Um, you know, Harley Burkhart, who's also a great audio engineer, and Greg Brace, like they're all. You know, Harley and Greg wrote the last Wild Hunt record after the passing of their last guitar player, who I um, eventually assumed his role. And uh, so they did that album on their own, of course, with some background with audio engineering. But I was able to, like, ping those guys pretty much any time I had, like, a, what's going on? Like, this computer shut down. Like, this isn't working. And there was a lot of stuff that, like, you know, to be perfectly honest, I I did incorrectly. Um, Things that I did backwards that, like, any 
person at, like who has done it at least once would say like what are you doing you ding dong like you know what i mean like you did this like this your 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 signal chain is actually in reverse and you know i just but i did what sounded good to me and then whenever it came time to like engineering the stuff and like showing it like you know maybe uh reamping with with avinash specifically who helped me with a lot of like a lot of the engineering and um he also ended up like basically mastering the majority of the album i just sat there and drank beer next to him you know but um he uh you know he was kind of like identified some things and um but yeah that was the that was the hardest part for me was uh was like learning that software i i get audio i get you know eqs um but i've always been kind of like a plug and play kind of guy so this was more of like a plug and play now get really under the hood and get nitty-gritty with it and um i'm i'm kind of have been hanging back. I mean, I've finished writing that stuff and um, doing everything for that album. I mean, that album was like finished in like August 2020, like done, done, done. So I haven't really touched working on any new metal since then. I've just been playing like classical flamenco guitar. So these uh, new new stuff has been gestating and I'm kind of waiting until uh, the fall hits and the mood is right and I'm kind of back into the sedentary gets dark early i have like five hours once it gets dark to like brood over something so i'm I'm waiting to get back into that but i'm i kind of made a mental check note of things that you know i did right and i didn't do right on the album um and uh, i'm gonna you know go through that that whole list and try to button those things up but inevitably i'm sure there'll be other stuff that i do on labor breath Two, whatever that is where i'm just like damn it, why did I let this pass? Like, why did I let this go through? But I, I guess that's like any album anybody does. It's like anything that we do. Absolutely anything we do. And I'm basically the same when it comes to Cryptopsy material. I'm in a band with Chris Donaldson, one of the best producers in the world. So I have no idea how to do anything production-wise. I just go and do my vocals and walk away, and he makes the magic happen. So I can completely understand where you're coming from. And having to learn everything on your side, it must have been very daunting. Well, and, and there's a part of that, like you were just saying, that's also awesome and liberating. Like you can go in, bang it out, do your vocals, do your like whatever it is, and then step away and be like, all right, the rest is up to you. Complete yeah, trust. Complete exactly. trust. Because he's the best. I know he's the yeah, best. Yeah, it's like it's like falling backwards with your eyes closed and knowing he'll be there to catch you, you know? Every single time I'm in that booth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, uh, yeah, it was a, but it was, it was definitely kind of a, you know, that was a bit of the, the daunting thing was just going in and, and doing it all myself. Doing it yourself, that must have also been difficult because normally in a band you have other people to bounce ideas off of. How did you know it was good? Uh, I definitely didn't. <laughs> I think I think maybe when I um, when I started working on it, um, and thank you for that, by the way. I'll take that as a you know as a compliment. Thank you. Um, it is good. I thank like you. Uh, but um, you know, I think it was one of those things where like maybe my fiance is in the other room. She's talking. She's just like that sounds cool. And I'm like, you don't know, but she does. She's got. She's a <laughs> piano player. She's a great. You know, she listens to like metal too. I mean, she's not. It's not the only thing either one of us listen to, but. Uh, it was that thing where I'd be like, yeah, okay, she looked, okay, well, maybe I'm on to something. And then I sent a couple takes to um, my buddy Tyler, and I sent some to Avinash, my buddy Shelby, and, you know, I was just like, hey, I'm working on this. And they were like, dude, that's, that's pretty cool, man. Like, you should keep going. Like, don't don't stop with that, you know? And, um, and then, uh, yeah, I just kind of kept just plugging along. Um, I'd get done with work, 
you know, work. It was like a bridged work. So I'd like try to do what I could do. And then, you know, we'd go on a run just to like clear my head and get outside and then just like sit down, you know, for six, eight hours, just straight through just learning audio engineering and trial and error, writing riffs, playing stuff and figuring out what was going to work. How about, um, you know, shows are coming back. Shows are happening in the States right now. So, so will there be a live version of flavored breath or is it only something that will ever be just a solo project something that people need to consume in their ears well um i'm glad you asked that i've uh, had a bunch of folks ask me about like dude if you bring this live can i can i play on this like can i play and, I, and it's Amazing. and it's people all people i'm like i have no doubt that they could perform the stuff because it's you know it's like Hey, if you can play guitar, you can play bass, you can scream and you can play drums like this, um, then, and I know plenty of people who can, and just in the Bay Area alone, then I, I would definitely be willing to do it. I don't think I'm going to take the time and effort to relearn everything off of that album, um, which unfortunately I didn't tab out or I didn't, you know, I mean, I can sit there and hear it by ear and I can kind of remember and just knowing how I play as a guitarist and where I try to find notes, I could probably get it pretty close. Um, but I don't think I would do that unless it was like, there was, you know, maybe if Labor Breath 2, when, when Labor Breath 2 manifests, if there's a, um, an opportunity to bring it to life and there seems to be like some genuine interest, but I'm not trying to do it and just, you know, I'm not trying to do it and, and, and try to start a, a touring, touring band with it or anything like that. It would, it would just have to be kind of the right situation. Um, but if, you know, if not, then great. I'll just keep pumping out at least another album uh, or hopefully more. Amazing. That's so cool that seasoned musicians and your friends want to be a part of this project. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm flattered when some of the folks that I, you know, have worked with or played shows with or, you know, or so have been very complimentary of the album and have also been like, dude, I'll help you bring this to life. Like, I'd love to play this live. And, um, yeah, I'd be, uh, um, you know, it'd be a cool thing to do maybe one day. I'd be stoked to see that. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. If you could, now you already have a beer for Labored Breath, but if you could make another one, uh, what would that be? What would you call it? Uh, what style would it be? And uh, we can even take it a step further because you work in the industry. What brewery would you like to pair up with? No disrespect to Ghost Town, if it's not them. Oh, damn. All right, let me try to 
go back to the checklist. So if, if I could do it again <laughs> um, with, you know, and it'd be like, just do another one. Maybe let's call it labor breath two with another, you know, uh, so it wouldn't be dyspnea. It wouldn't, it would be an entirely different album. Um, I'd probably try to do like an Oak aged lager or Pilsner. Um, I'm, I'm all about, you know, uh, good Oak aging and seasoning up those barrels, getting them ready for whatever you might put them in. And, um, and, uh, and I, and I love, love lagers and Pilsners real crispy, like German style, uh, maybe even like a West coast just to get a little bit more hops to it. But um, so I, I would definitely go about try to pursue that. Um, as far as other breweries, um, I have some friends up in the Schuylerville area, New, Schuylerville, New York, um, the real f- small farmhouse brewery. And uh, if I could just do another one, it, they're called Bound by Fate. Um, and they stay open during the pandemic and, uh, they like literally opened, had a crazy snowstorm and then the pandemic happened and they managed to make it through and they make awesome beers. And, um, I, I might even just choose to like work with them. Uh, like, you know, again, no, no disrespect by any means to ghost town. Cause like, I'd love to do with them too. Uh, but if it was like, get another brewery cause they're just great people and they make awesome beer. Um, I've had Brett's beer before and it's, he's shipped us some and it's like overnighted and it's just killer and a lot of lagers and makes some really good hazies and stuff like that too. Um, but I, that, yeah, I'd say probably like bound by fate brewing, uh, with like an Oak aged, like food or aged West coast pills or something like that. That sounds delicious. You'd call it labor breath too. Is that it? Oh, I, oh, oh no, oh, no. Uh, I don't know what I would call it. Maybe I'd call it, um, <laughs> Oh, geez. I don't even, that's a tough one. You got to come up with, you got to give me a little more time on that one, Matt. <laughs> Oak um, age lager, labored breath. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, I'll get back to you on that one. When we make it, I'll, I'll, I'll pull one out. Amazing. Uh, one last question, classic Vox and Hops, a wrap up question. Uh, it probably doesn't happen to you very often now because, uh, you've learned to be moderate with your six double IPAs nights uh, from the beginning of the pandemic. But on those mornings after those nights, um, you must have a hangover cure. What is your hangover cure? Uh, Hangover cure is definitely drink a very cold glass of water and then run four miles, run three to four miles, uh, whatever you can muster. Um, if you're in an area that's safe enough to do it or you're, you know, or you have the stamina, but it's never really sit around and feel sorry or feel like bad or crappy. Like if you can get up and push yourself out the door, you know, you'll feel, you'll, you'll hate yourself while you're doing it. <laughs> hate yourself more than for the night before, but um, by the time you're done you, know, you get home, cold shower, always a cold shower just to like snap yourself back. And like literally every time I feel like, I, a new person. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my, my hangover cure. Uh, it's cold water, run three to four miles, cold shower. Seasoned veteran. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Jameson, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having a chat with me, talking about your life, music, and craft beer. Everyone, go check out the record that came out uh, on April 2nd via Sentient Ruin Laboratories, uh, Dyspnea, Labor Breath's new record before Labor Breath 2 comes to, into life. Go bask in the darkness of what the first record is. It's amazing and you're going to enjoy it. Jameson, thank you so, so much. I really enjoyed this. Cheers. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure to do this. 
you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have an excellent time connecting with Jameson. We had spoken a bunch of times uh, via Instagram messages, via email chains, and uh, I always got the sense that he was an excellent human, but we never actually had the chance to truly talk to each other, and man, did I ever have a great time. I know that I've connected with someone that I'm going to be good friends with for quite some time, and I hope that Jameson feels the same. I love this conversation. I love his first solo record. I can't wait to see what he comes up with for album number two. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I dropped throughout the past week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as all of the pertinent information for any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. You also get the updated links for any future Thirsty Thursday virtual hangs, and of course the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by my man Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, and is available on both Spotify and Apple Music. There's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, and I would hate for you to miss a single thing, so please sign up to that mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I will be back next week on Tuesday with another brand new episode, but until then, I hope you remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!